Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 17th of February 2023. Our post and podcast this week focus on the announcement made last week that the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, BASE, is being broken up, if that's the right term, into three new government departments. Grant Shapps keeps his seat in Cabinet, but his base seat is now replaced by a new Department of Energy Security and Net Zero, the DESNZ, together with two new seats. One for Michelle Donnellan at the new Department of Science, Innovation and Technology, that's DSIT, and another for Kemi Badenoch, who already has a seat as Minister for Women and Equalities, but now adds to it the new brief of business and trade, that's DBT. At the same time, we see responsibility for digital policy being moved across to Michelle Donnell and at DCIT, leaving Lucy Fraser at DCMS without the D and leaving simply culture, media and sport. I have with me a slightly croaky Michael Cross suffering from a winter cold. Michael, I hope talking is not too bad for you and I promise I'll edit out your coughs and splutters. But what do we make of all this? Well, I think we've got a number of uh, reactions to it. One is it's been estimated this will cost about $100 million to make these changes and split the departments. And that's a figure from the Institute of Government. So that seems quite a lot of money and suggests quite a bit of time. And we also know from talking to a very senior official at uh, Bayes, uh, they were given 15 minutes to decide where they went with their teams, how their teams would be split up. So we find that a little bit worrying that the uh, implementation of some of these changes and boundaries were decided in such a short period of time. But I think the biggest piece for us comes out of this is where does skills land in this in this new horizon or new structure? Because STEM is owned by science, innovation, and technology. Green technologies is owned by science, innovation, and technology. But green skills, I think, remains with energy security and net zero. And digital is also being moved into the science, innovation and technology. Now, skills is fundamental to net zero. And hopefully there's some real coherency, continuity and coordination across these departments to allow them to act as one, at least across the trio of them and also across the whole of government. And that's before we even start to consider the Department for Education in all of this. Exactly. And DFE is a major player in this. And DWP, you know, the W stands for work. So do you think any of these new departments will become, in a way, senior to the others? Might DESNZ, say, drive some of the priorities of DSIT, which has an in-house STEM development as one of its tasks? Or maybe DBT, which is charged with promoting supply chain resilience? That's an important priority, given the dependence on green minerals like lithium and copper. Depends where growth is seen as residing and who's going to drive growth. You could read into the new department for energy security and net zero as having quite a limited brief in some respects and very much about short-term operational and deployment of technology to allow resilience and also to deliver on net zero goals and growth coming from science and technology and with the uh, trade department. Hopefully that's not the case. There's a lot of growth within energy security and net zero. And hopefully it is seen as a cabinet push on this and fuses the coordination. So we end up with quite a complex matrix organization in real terms rather than three separate beasts operating here. 
Now, the mainstream media tends to look at the immediate entertainment value of developments like this, and not surprisingly, they focused on the short-term priority of Grant Shapp's new department to bring down this winter's energy bills. We didn't hear the NZ part of DESNZ getting much of a mention, but Rishi Sunak was careful in a short, well-rehearsed soundbite to hit the points about how the energy security and net zero parts tie together. I think we've seen over the last year in particular the impact that happens to people's bills at home when energy policy doesn't work properly, when we're reliant on imported energy from hostile countries. That's why the creation today of a new department focused specifically on energy security and net zero is so important. It's going to mean that we can reduce people's energy bills. That's so important. It means we can produce more energy here at home, giving us independence and security and it means we can transition to cleaner forms of energy as we hit our net zero ambitions and create jobs in the process as we're seeing here today. That's why today's changes are really important. We're focused on delivering for the British people and this will help us do that. And a reminder that you can find this week's post unraveling the alphabetty spaghetti on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon. Now, let's stay with the Department of Energy Security and Net Zero and look a little closer at what are called in the policy paper issued by the Cabinet Office and the Office of the Prime Minister on 7th of February, its priority outcomes. Ensuring the security of energy supply this winter and onwards is number one, of course. But another priority is to oversee the improvement of energy efficiency of UK homes, businesses and public sector buildings to meet the 15% demand reduction set by Jeremy Hunt in last year's autumn statement. It's an interesting target, setting the 15% energy efficiency reduction. Large part of that can be achieved through regulation, just by changing building standards and allowing the retrofit to move at speed. So every new building has to have a net zero target. And in public buildings, they've already released some money, if you take to the school sector, and a lot of schools are just buying solar panels. And it depends how much money flows into this energy efficiency push, how much is driven by capital as opposed to regulation, and therefore changing how people spend their money. Because we've seen over time how regulations and government schemes have changed. You know, the energy efficiency and insulation work dropped almost completely in 2012, now to be reintroduced this April with a billion pound fund primarily around insulation. And we've seen how um, gas boilers were due to be the target date was going to be 2016 for new build and now it's 2025 so we could have been well into this and even now we see a large number of boilers being sold i think it's 1.7 1.8 million boilers gas boilers are sold annually versus 60 70,000 heat pumps and half of those heat pumps are going into new build so there's a long way to go but what is heartening is if you look abroad, you look at a Poland, Germany, France, the rate of increase of installation of heat pumps has been absolutely dramatic. We're talking of growth rates of 100 150% in one year. So it shows very rapid installation can take place in mature large economies and that we're no different there. Now, getting the new energy bill through in short order is also on the list, Michael. And apart from hopefully decoupling electricity bills from gas prices and gifting profits all over the shop, the bill will also be important for some of the green energy technologies. I think it's one of the things that's interesting here is the very fact they name and pick out hydrogen. And hydrogen is one of those things we see 
around the Teesport, around Liverpool, around the Solent and Inverness. There are various hubs emerging around hydrogen. And that is also around the creation of refueling systems for vehicles, especially heavy goods vehicles for buses and also refuse trucks, amongst many others. And so I think that's quite an important development. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops and moves forward. Now, finally, in our post this week, we look at a piece from ED.net, which was published the day after the announcement about the new departments. And it opined that one of the key to-dos for DESNZ is to improve cross-departmental collaboration. Now, this is something we've commented on a fair bit on the Green Edge, as have the CCC and Skidmore. But to quote ED.net on this one, as much as it could be a good thing to give Net Zero its own seat at the cabinet table, the extent of the department's influence and success will ultimately lie in its ability to work well with other departments more than its name. I guess it's also a risk that by making one department visibly responsible, the others might back off. It is. Hopefully it'll be more sophisticated in terms of the cooperation. Because if you think in the Green Jobs Delivery Group, they would bring into the room I think five or six departments when it walked in with ministerial level. Now they walk into the room with cabinet posts rather than just ministerial posts. I think the other issue here is that you'll find collaboration moving at a greater pace on the ground, i.e. at city region level, where you've actually got mayors who've got reasonably significant budgets and have already got climate emergencies declared and therefore will be pursuing their own net zero agendas and trying to coordinate and integrate national projects into their local schemes. So I think you'll have a pressure occurring at local ground as say. But the government, I think this is one of the major problems of how you get the coordination across government. And therefore, it goes back to government priorities, not just departmental priorities. And it'd be interesting to see the integrated net zero thinking from the cabinet office and number 10 on relation to this. Thank you, Michael. I'll let you get back to your mustard foot bath. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter, to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.